You're listening to Hell of a Business Podcast. One could argue that the humble smartphone has changed cities more than anything else, not only because we spend our time immersed in it, but because they've enabled the creation of mobility platforms. For example, a car is something that traditionally is mostly just taking up space and is in use for a fraction of the time. These are both problems in a city where space is at a premium. But I think with ride-sharing, a car becomes a shared resource. I'm Sonia Malin, and I'm joined in the studio by Krista Huftala-Jenks from Mass Global. Welcome, Krista. Thanks for having me. Let's start with a different kind of question. Who is your favorite person in Greater Helsinki? Um, it will have to be Bruce Dickinson. Oh, in Helsinki. Yeah. So the lead singer Iron Maiden. Um, basically, I'm a massive metalhead, and so Bruce actually got a honorary doctorate from the University of Helsinki. So You're he's kidding. my choice. Wow. Yeah. I was aware of that. But then, next question. This is very, very hard as well. What does the concept of a smart city mean to you? I might sound a bit of a, like a politician, or it might sound a bit pompous, but it's happy people. It's it's really not about technology or innovations. It's it's really about happy people, essentially. What are some of the things that work well here in the region and also create happiness in your personal life? I've lived in a fair few countries myself. And um, when I moved back to Finland, and that was the first time I moved to the capital region, the culture shock of how easy everything is was massive. The fact that before I moved, you can do everything online. Um, I could get my rental contract, uh, electricity contract, internet. Um, that stuff that as a Finn you take as a granted. And obviously that was already about nine years ago. So things have progressed so much. So I think that the just the pure easiness of your everyday hassles are really so much better here in Helsinki. So in my understanding, MAS, M-A-A-S, or mobility as a service, means that instead of owning your methods of transportation, you just use them as a service whenever the need arises. So instead of owning a car or a bike or something else, You can just plot a course in your application and let's say from your home door to, I don't know, to a holiday spot on an island. And the service will automatically arrange whatever methods of transportation you'll need. Am I far off for? No, that's pretty much spot on. Um, so what we at Mars Global, what we always talk about, that we want to provide you the freedom of mobility, which is sustainable but without having to own a car or having to own or having the hassle of owning any sort of vehicle, but still providing that same or even better level of freedom. It's quite the revolutionary idea. I know you have been working on this for some years now. Um, before Mass Global, you worked at the Finnish Ministry of Transport and Communications. So tell me, how did that jump on the other side happen? <laughs> just, just you and me. Yeah, yeah. It's um I've I've really it's it's kind of been a bit freakish how things happened. 
Um, but I've been very, very fortunate that I've been able to be part of something revolutionary. And first, indeed, from the policy and from the regulative side. Um, and that happened in 2011 when I came back to Finland and got a job at the Finnish ministry. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I I had the chance to jump into the actual startup world and start working towards really providing the end users or the customers this service, mobility as a service. And I mean, it's been quite a quite a ride, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> What's your opinion? Could this all, I, I mean, the pioneering concept of mobility as a service, could this have been done somewhere else than Helsinki? Well, you can always argue that there's there's different bits and pieces have already ex- uh, been existed. Or then, for example, the similar type of concepts with slightly different names um, have also been developed everywhere. And I think that that's obviously true. But what we really had, so our CEO uh, from Mars Global, Sampo Hirtan, and you can really go back to his slide from, I believe, from 2007, when he was talking about bringing monthly subscriptions that would have everything included. And he really was the first one to do that. But one of the things that we've had in Finland, a major, major advantage, is that we're a small country. There's actually strength in being quite small. And that meant that there's also this very smooth and good cooperation between all the different stakeholders. So it was the different private sector, academia, cities, central government, all of us working together, trying to find the right way of making that paradigm shift in mobility and transport, which is so obviously needed. So the service you have created, WIM, um, I would like to go behind the scenes and understand the drivers to, you know, create an application, a service like this. Um, does this have something to do with the with the commuting? I, I think people usually underestimate the stress, you know, long commuting takes them. You can't predict traffic, uh, so it's kind of fighting this stress factor, something that you're trying to solve with the application at the service. Um, Yeah, I think that it goes kind of back to what we always keep on talking about, you know, that freedom of mobility that we want to provide. But I think that there's one particular thing that I also want to talk about because it's quite a quite a normal misconception. Um, actually, commute is the easiest bit. A lot of people talk about the commute that, you know, we need to find the find the alternative and that's the biggest thing. But it's only about a quarter of all of our transport or our mobility. How about that? And that is, I'll now say, you know, this is not to undermine, but that's also the easiest bit to provide something because it's very regular. Everybody knows that You have the peak hours in the morning, you have the peak hours in the afternoon, in the evening. Most people will go from set places from A to B. And that's also why, for example, public transport works so well in those times. Because it is public transport or mass transit, as they call it in the US. It's it's really providing an alternative 
for the masses. But when you really want to crack the major nut in mobility is that you need to find a solution for the 75% of people's mobility needs. And that's not from A to B at a set time. That changes according to the date. That changes according to the hour, what your needs are. Do you need to go to the grocery shop? Do you need to take your kids to hockey practice? That's far, far more complex. And that's what we're after. That's why people keep reverting to using their own cars. And that's also where it's difficult to provide something like public transport for absolutely everything. And that's where we come into play. So you're competing against private cars. Yeah, it? yeah. And it's, so um, in our company, so I'm I'm also in, in charge of sustainability. And that's always been one of mine, but also Mars's biggest drivers. It's really finding a sustainable alternative. Um But then if you look at it from a business perspective, that's also where the big money is. It would be silly not to go after the actual big pot. Right. And that's what we're doing. Your goals at Mass Global are quite lofty, so all your mobility needs will be solved with one digital platform. And I I suppose that calls for massive integration and As we've seen this far, I think the mobility sector has been more about competition than about collaboration. So, Krista, how likely is it that mobility as a service will actually be implemented in one well, digital platform? Um, another thing that is one of my pet peeves in in this particular sector and, and something that I on a daily basis uh, work towards. First of all, there should never, ever be just one app. I mean, there's so many different user segments, there's so many different user needs, and trying to provide just one solution for that ain't gonna work. It would be the same thing as we would say that, okay, now everybody in Helsinki, you're you're only allowed to buy Volkswagens. That doesn't work. So when we're obviously trying to build an app that gives you seamless access to all the different mobility needs. At the same time, it doesn't mean that we should be, nor do we actually want to be, the one and only app. You know, we, obviously, we think that we're the best, and we certainly want to be the best. But we also see that we're talking about such a massive shift in people's thinking and their kind of consumer behavior um, that there has to be, and it will benefit us as well, that if there's more competition. So that's what needs to be done. But going back to your question about um, will that happen? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a particularly, uh, it's quite an old-fashioned sector or industry. It's very highly regulated, and it's also it's very local, and there's still a lot of monopolies. Mm. And at Mars Global and with WEM. We don't produce any of the physical services ourselves. So it means we need to be in a partnership with the actual transport service providers. So it's it's not easy and it sure isn't fast. I would also like to talk about The uh, Talent Boost Program, which is a national 
program meant to boost talent attraction, talent retention. So just to basically bring in more qualified people over to Finland. Uh, this is coordinated by the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Employment. And I believe this is some sort of reaction to the fact that more and more countries are fighting over the same talent. And I know um, you have a very big international diverse team at Mass Global. So I'd like to ask you what your secrets are. So uh, how did you manage the problem yourself? How, how have you hired these international talents? Yeah, I think we have people from way more than a dozen different countries. I think close to like 20 different countries, which is amazing. I absolutely love it. And it's such kind of pot of gold for any work community. Um, I think that we have few different advantages in that. First of all, we are boldly pioneering something that nobody else has done um, and nobody else has kind of as boldly gone out there. That It's not that we're doing something as the first in the world, but we're also going trying to solve a major societal challenge. And I think that it's those two different things. I think most of the most of my colleagues really one of the main main reasons why they come to Mars Global is because we are really behind the sustainability thinking in everything that we do, and that we're really trying to solve this puzzle around climate change and transport and mobility. But besides the job, what are the reasons uh, that keep your employees in the region? Um, well, I think once again, I gotta, I gotta say from my own experience is, is just that it's so, so damn easy. I mean, the everyday life it really is, there's, there's not so much of the kind of the admin hassles and, um, and if you have family, I also, when I moved here, I had an 18 month old baby and another one on its way. And I gotta say that it was just so much easier And the work-life balance in Finland is is just, in my my view, it's it's really kind of um, you can't beat it. So back to smart cities. Um, what's your opinion? Are some of the goals of a smart city in opposition? I mean, um, how do you build a system that works equally well? with citizens, with businesses, with visitors. Um, I believe they all have kind of differing needs or priorities when, when building a smart city. Well, I think that if you look at the really granular level, then obviously there's always variation. Um, but I think that there's a good parallel into accessibility or inclusiveness. It's a lot of times when talking about accessibility, for example, for transport, People tend to think that this is purely for the people who are, for example, disabled, um, they are blind, they have very, very specific needs. But what they actually, those people are overseeing, that most of us at some point of our lives will have equal type of needs. Obviously, I'm not trying to compare like, you know, somebody who's in a wheelchair But similar type of needs, if, for example, you are your 
moving around the town with a baby in a pram. So there's certain type of challenges that you share. So that will take it back to that if you try and build something that is inclusive or, or take care of the accessibility from the get-go, actually you're solving the pain points for most people altogether. And I think it's a similar type of thing for when we're talking about smart cities and, and different type of user needs or, or kind of customer segments or however you want to call them. It's actually get rid of the biggest pain points for any and you will probably solve them for for the others as well. Um, what do you think? Is there a way to make a smart city also socially sustainable? Well, Absolutely. I mean, that would be quite grim. Even if I'm from Bori, um, but then uh, even for somebody coming from Bori, that would be quite grim to think that it's not possible. Be the same as telling my kids, like you know, there's no future for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's again. I mean, looking at it now from the, for example, from technology development or how we develop the actual physical space. Um, There's challenges that come with change. But if you look back in history, that even if there's always changes in the current time or challenges, we are constantly moving towards something better. So we have major challenges when it's kind of ecologically sustainable, socially sustainable, but we just need to keep on kind of plowing away little by little and we'll get there. Krista, this is the last, the trickiest, the hardest question. I'm ready. Excellent. You know when the Finnish national sports team wins a medal or championship, whatever. What happens then is that the people from the region, they gather into the market square. And what they do is they strip off, they go skinny dipping into the pool of Harvis Amanda, which is, by the way, not recommended. <laughs> yeah. So my question would be, what would have to happen for you to do the same? I think if I was awarded by Bruce Dickinson an honorary doctorate at the Helsinki University, then that would do it. Excellent. <laughs> humble <laughs> humble thoughts. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can it's it's going to happen any day now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you very much, Krista, for joining us. And thanks to everyone who listened to the show. You can find us and subscribe to Hell of a Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your fave podcast app.